I'm Dr. Sarah Olivo. And I'm Dr. Liz Seidler, and you're listening to College is Fine, Everything's Fine. We got some feedback from someone who listened to one of our more recent episodes that they had a lot of curiosity about something you mentioned, which is the emotional savings account. So Liz, I was curious. That's not a phrase I always use in my work. So I love, I want to hear more. Yeah. So most people who are coming to see me have a lot of negative or stressful things in their life. And one of their goals is to be happier, be more satisfied, or feel calm or more relaxed. And I use this analogy that we can't always predict or prevent when stressors are going to happen in our life. And the best thing that we can do is make sure that we have a buffer against stress and not wait until we're really overwhelmed to try to accumulate more positive emotions. And so the savings account analogy is essentially that you don't want to wait until like you've overdrafted. I mean, that's the worst feeling that happened to me in college far too many times for me to admit (laughs) that I'd get an overdraft fee because I was not managing my money effectively. But you don't want to wait until you have no funds left to then think about how you're going to deposit more positive emotions into your savings account. So if you really think about that we all have a savings account and we all have things that are taking away from our well-being, our mental health, and we all have to work hard on putting things in to that account to make sure that we're feeling the best we can. I love the idea of withdrawals are kind of part of life. And Liz, are you using a metaphor? Oh my gosh. (laughs) The contagion effect. It's contagious, guys. Well, you're not going to be surprised to hear that I actually, even though I don't use the term emotional savings account per se, right? We all have our different ways of teaching different concepts, but I do have a metaphor for this, shockingly. Can't wait. (laughs) So I always think about, and maybe it's because I lived in Brooklyn for so long and there are water towers everywhere. Even the kids' books that I would have for my kids would be like, three hipsters, four water towers, you know, like the counting (laughs) books. It was so funny. Uh, So maybe that's why this metaphor speaks to me, but it's similar to the idea of this savings account. You can picture a water tower. It's like those big things you see on the road that typically have the name of the city on it, et cetera. And so they collect water and there's no way to control nature, how much water is going in. Sometimes it's going to be like a deluge and sometimes it's just going to be a bit of a drought. And that's similar to life, obviously, where we have no sense of when the stressors are going to come. Or or we might know it's coming, like exam period, but we don't have any control over it. We can't be like, hey, I'm going to skip exams this week. And so you can imagine that if the stressors that come up in your life are like the rain that comes in and fills up the water tower, and you have no control over that, the only real thing you can control is the spigot at the bottom. How much water are you going to let out at a time? How much can you take out of that water tower so that it's not overflowing? And when I'm talking with my clients, I'm thinking, okay, so every time you turn the spigot and let more water out, that's a skill. It's something you're adding to it to kind of, to your point, like to deposit, you know, what are you going to do to have on the ready habitually so that you're noticing when you can really turn up the skills use, turn up some of the things that add those positive deposits in your life. So metaphor of the day. Never disappoint, Sarah. (laughs) 
In really concrete terms, how can we make more deposits and less withdrawals? And one of the caveats I always say to clients, here's another analogy, but I compare this to bowling with little kids, you know, mm-hmm. what do they put in like the, the gutters? They put like a little buffer. Yeah. I'm, I, yeah. Maybe I still use one. I don't know. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but I, I said like, even with those in there, it's going to prevent you from getting a gutter ball, like the worst possible, but I can't guarantee that you're going to get a strike just by having that in there. The goal here is how can we buffer against stress It doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect, that we're going to get a strike. Things might still be challenging, but you're not hitting that bottom, that lowest point. Yeah. Yeah. Usually my first step to figure out, is this something that you need to pay attention to? Is, and this is again where Sarah and I have talked about, we usually are drawing these things out. Um, So we'll share a visual through social media, but I usually draw a scale and don't judge my drawing when you guys see this in real life. But essentially, on one side of the scale is, a, is positive, and on the other side is negative. And I start with the negative, and I ask a college student, what are some things that are stressing you out in your life? And immediately, I'm getting like, grades, friends, home, weather, sick, boyfriend, you know, laundry, <laughs> the laundry <laughs> list of things that are stressing them out. I'm like, okay. I'm like, okay, stop, stop. We got enough on the list. And then I'll say, okay, now tell me about the positive things in your life. And I've done this hundreds of times and it's silent for a while. And it seems like it's like pulling teeth to list positives that are there, or I just get like a couple. And then when we look at the scale, we see that inevitably it's tipped towards the negative. So what does that tell us? That there are a lot of things that are really stressing us out that are withdrawing from our emotional savings account. And we really do need to work harder on depositing more positive emotions. So what does that look like? So Sarah, what are some thoughts that you have? What are things some of our college students could do if they've kind of found themselves? Maybe you even draw this scale out and you see that your scale's tipped. What can we do? What are some things we can do? Ugh. CBT therapists love us. We love us a scale. Um, <laughs> well, first of all, and I think a theme to remember here is variety is the spice of life. You know, we're not going to go through and probably hit on all the things that you listeners like, you know, so you have to imagine that we're just giving some suggestions here. And the, again, the point is we're going to have some tips, but the idea is to then start to think about your own things that feel like you. But if someone's coming in saying like, okay, I've got all these stressors, I start to think about, all right, how can we think about things that you enjoy doing both big and small. My clients hear me say this all the time. I will say it again on this podcast. I think about pleasant things that you enjoy. And I always say there's capital P pleasant, you know, like going on a really long hike with your best friend and having a very cathartic talk. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. We can't do that all the time, obviously. So then also what are the lowercase, smaller, pleasant things that we can just sprinkle in throughout the day? What are the big P's? And yes, let's see if we can schedule that. And what are the smaller things that you could do during the day? So for instance, I went and got some flowers, a couple, just a little bitty vase, you know, nothing, no big deal. It boosted my mood. It made me feel better. Now I can look at it here and there. Is it a big life changing event? It is not. But if you do enough of those things a day, actually the research shows sometimes things like lighting a quick candle while, Mm -hmm. or listening to some really great music a lot of more of those smaller things during the day can add up and be just as effective as 
the larger, bigger things. I love that too. Thinking about things that are manageable that you can do those smaller peas. I think sometimes when I'm working with college students, they're like, I'm so busy. I don't have time to do some of the things that I want to yeah. do. So doing some problem solving to really think about, are there little ways that I can boost my mood? Mm -hmm. And I always say, pay attention now. Okay. A lot of people don't like this and CBT therapists love rating scales. Oh gosh. Uh, so many, so many scales. I know. I'm always like but from I zero really to 10. Think... They're like, not the scale. And I'm like, I know. But anyway. I know. But <laughs> Develop. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's an emoji scale. I don't care what it is. But sometimes we're doing things that we think are promoting positive emotions, but they might be dull. They've lost their potency. Mm -hmm. They're not really giving us the same emotional reaction. Yeah, the shine is off. Past. So pay attention to that because even though you're doing something, you could be replacing it with something else, a new activity that might actually boost that savings account a little bit more than the thing that maybe you're just habitually doing yeah. out of habit. I don't know about you, Sarah, but one other thing that I think is really important to pay attention to is finding things that you can do alone activity-wise mm -hmm. and then finding things that you can do with other people. Yeah. And I think some people really prefer to be with others during activities. I'm probably one of those people. It's just not always realistic. And then I find other people struggle with initiating things with other people, but having a balance between things we do alone activity wise and attending to relationships and making sure that we're doing shared pleasant activities, I think is important. Yeah. I also, if we keep to the variety is the spice of life theme, we know that relationships in general tend to promote well-being. Now, obviously, and we've talked a lot about finding your people in college. We have a whole episodes on that, finding and keeping your people. But we've seen that there's a lot of research to show. And I think all of us probably have our own, you know, study of one during the pandemic. That some of those smaller day-to-day -day interactions lift us up a lot. There's a woman in the Grand Central building where I work. I work in Grand Central in New York, and I have to pass through this one building to get to mine. And there's this woman in there, and every time I go in, she's like, good morning, everyone. <laughs> it just is such a great way to start the day. Now, there's a term for this, of course, in research. It's called the consequential stranger, right? <laughs> but it's the stranger who actually does have an impact on you. To the extent that I went up to her one day and I was like, you actually boost my mood. Thank you. I, mm. I really appreciate the good morning. She's just like, we got to spread the love. You know, she just is this beam of light. During the pandemic, I think we all noticed, wait a minute. I kind of miss the little chit chat I have with, for instance, the Trader Joe's checkout person who just yeah. has that twinkle in their eye. Or I miss, you know, the guy that I go in my office building and we just have a small, quick hello when I go get my afternoon coffee. So Again, it doesn't have to be all about big friendships. Sometimes if you are able to make sure you're getting outside and having some of those smaller interactions that those help too. But of course, we know that having closer, not so consequential relationships, like not consequential strangers, but our actual friends, mm -hmm. there's so many benefits to making sure you're spending time with people who lift you up. Obviously, we have a lot of different people in our lives, and sometimes we might call people friends who, that's a pretty big word, right? There are a lot of different kinds of friends. But the people you know, who have your back, when you're spending time with those people, there are so many benefits to that. 
obviously promoting a sense of belonging, right? These people get me, they understand me. Sometimes there's contribution. We know that contributing or attending to our relationships makes us feel worthwhile, that there's something about our self-esteem that it really does help and that helps our mood. Yeah. Even if your friend's not helping you, if you help a friend, it feels really good. We also know that friendships offset stressors. So when you, you know, you're stacked up and you've got the big mm -hmm. list of things stressing you out, spending time with friends and not talking about exams for a second helps offset right. that a lot. I also know that there are friends I have who are the ones who say, Hey, Sarah, let's take a yoga class together. Or do you want to try this? Or, well, let's go for a walk. They're the people who I can go to, to help me have some good, healthy behaviors that maybe I wouldn't have done before. That doesn't have to always be exercise, but having friends that you know are a good influence on you can be really helpful as well. Sometimes those are the people who I'm sure we have those friends, you know, I've got the friends who I can go, you know, like I said, to the yoga class with, but I also have the friend that I know I can go to and have a really deep conversation with. I have the friend I can go to and geek out over psychology jokes with, but people who can influence you, make your brain start to work a little bit, get those neurons flowing. That has a lot of benefit too. Yeah. I guess to summarize, always keep in mind, from an evolutionary perspective, yeah. we are social beings. And so if we think about how we can promote positive emotions, some piece of that pie needs to be attending to relationships. And whether that means like the conversation with the barista at your coffee shop or talking to your professor after class or meeting up with a friend to go to a workout class, whatever it might be, big or small, if we're not socializing to some extent, it likely is going to have more of a withdrawal effect on our mood than a deposit yeah. impact. Yeah. But then again, obviously there's friends. We can be with friends sometimes and not. When you're by yourself, we've said, okay, sure, you can do a few pleasant activities. I always think about actions. Like what are you doing with your hands? What are you doing with your speech? What are you doing with your legs? Those are pleasant activities, right? Calling a friend, texting someone. But there's also that internal world, the ways that we can use our mind <laughs> to give us a little bit of a pep talk. One of the things we are big proponents of is self-validation, but that is a term that might need some explanation. I don't know about you. And whenever I say the word validation, there's always a lot of assumptions about what that means. Yeah, I think... Uh, you know, the easiest way I think for people to understand what it means is that you want to acknowledge that whatever you're thinking or feeling makes sense, essentially. And doing that, we know actually helps regulate our mood state and it can promote positive feelings in the same way that if I looked really stressed out and Sarah said, Liz, oh, you must be so overwhelming, right? Right now. I would notice a positive emotion because I'm like, ah, Sarah gets me. She understands what I'm going through. The same works for us internally. If we can kind of acknowledge our mood state, acknowledge that what we're thinking or our experience makes sense, it does promote positive emotions yeah. or regulate, like downregulate, like get rid of negative emotions. There's nothing worse. And I, I have been guilty of gaslighting myself of saying things like, oh, you shouldn't be so upset about this. So I'll give you an example of a time where I didn't really validate what I was going through and a time where I 
now have learned, oh, okay, this makes sense. So when I was really little, I moved to a new school in fourth grade, rough year to make friends, and I mm -hmm. was finding my way through. Also, I was about this height, for those of you, I, I'm about 5'7", I'm not that tall, but when you're in fourth grade... <laughs> And you're already five seven. Yeah, I mean, I, was, I wasn't quite there, but I was pretty tall, and I was gangly. And look, it was a, it was a rough time, and I was. I guess I can think back to the sleepover when I was told, "Oh, you know, you're only invited because you're so and so's neighbor." And I still remember the feeling that can come up of just shame and embarrassment, and all the things that happened that year, where I just went through some really rough times. Now, throughout the rest of my kind of life, there were some highs and some lows as we probably all have in high school, right? Some years had more lows, some years had more highs, but for a long time after finding my people and becoming an adult or even turning 40, when you're supposed to like not care at all anymore about anything, apparently <laughs> that's what they say. I would get my feelings hurt or I'd really worry about whether someone likes me. And despite all the evidence to the contrary, these are people who've been my friends for decades at this point. Back in the day, if I had that feeling, I'd be like, oh my gosh, you're so stupid. Why can't you just get over that? That's what I would say to myself. I'd be like, why can't you just get over that time? Gosh, you were in fourth grade. Now I will say something like, oh, here it is again. <laughs> you know, like mm -hmm. that sort of core memory is popping up and I'm really familiar with it. Don't have to act on it, but I get it. Like that was, that was a really a tough time. You must've really absorbed that. So that's an example of a time where I would have, by not validating what I was going through, not only did I experience that sense of like, oh gosh, kind of struggling with this friendship or feeling insecure, then I also bashed myself on top of that <laughs> and just made myself feel even worse and judged my own experience. So that's what we're trying to say with self-validation sometimes. It's not to say everything you think is correct or right, but saying, oh, I understand the story of how I got here. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that makes sense. Yeah. And I think it's really important as we're asking you to think about depositing more positive emotions that to even be motivated to do that, we want our mood state to not be extremely negative. And if you're able to have a reaction, like you said, Sarah, and be able to like self-validate, even the way you said it, it was kind of matter of fact, right? There wasn't like tons of emotion behind it. You're going to be able to be like more activated or be able to problem solve more. If you're really self-invalidating, let's say judging all your stressors, all those negatives you listed, it's going to create a negative emotion. And when we have a negative emotion like that hanging around, it makes it even harder to drudge up the mental energy and physical energy to do some of the things that you need to do. Um, to create more positivity. Yeah. One of the last things I was hoping we could touch on is other skills. Maybe they fall in a self-care kind of realm, but they are things that promote positive emotions, whether that's being mindful of moving more or doing a meditation or just relaxing, like doing things that, that are soothing to yourself, that we know doing some of those activities does promote positive emotions and are things you should probably have in that diverse diet that you spoke about earlier. Absolutely. You know, Liz, you're so naturally prone to taking a run or doing something and moving your body in that way. And not everybody, like I always joke, I was like, I was more musically inclined than athletically inclined growing up. I do think exercise is really important. I also think that 
I think there are a lot of ways to pay attention to what makes you feel good. What are making your muscles feel good? You're kind of get your blood feeling the way it should. For me, sometimes it's just stretching or just taking a quick walk, getting some fresh air. It doesn't have to be anything super athletic. You know, if you're not someone who's inclined to take a run or go to an exercise class, that's fine. Start with what does make your body feel good, that you've taken care of it today. Some people, if they are working out a lot, because perhaps they're a college athlete, maybe for them, resting their body and allowing themselves to Mm -hmm. rest their body feels really good. So just paying attention to what your muscles need. Okay, so Liz, this week... What are you yeah. going to do to make some deposits? Okay. So I think I might have mentioned it to Sarah, but I'm doing this thing called frozen feet. It's like six weeks. You have to do a mile, walk, run, hike, whatever, outside mm-hmm. each day. Yep. I found a new tea that I really want to try. So I'm going to try to have a cup of tea mm-hmm. every night, which I got out of the habit of doing. And I have two friends that I scheduled calls with that I haven't talked to in a while that I miss that I'm going to... Mm-hmm. And do that actually on one of my walks. Oh, I love a good catch up. I read something about the eight minute phone call. Mm. I have a friend who we never, we're both horrible at the phone. And I texted her the other day. I was like, oh, wait, there's this thing called the eight minute phone call. Can we do an eight minute mm, phone call? I love that. Maybe I'll try that. I got to look into that. Yeah. Those, those are my, um, those are my deposits for the week. What about you, Sarah? So I have also tried to be better about reconnecting. You know, the holidays get really busy, but I have a poker club. And Sarah, you play poker. Why am I just founding uh, this out? No, 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 no. Sorry. I have a <laughs> I have a group of girls who we're trying to learn how to play poker together. Ah, okay. And I have won two whole dollars in this process. So um Sarah. Future poker shark in the making. <laughs> I was picturing you like on a flight to Vegas on the side, you're just like winning championships. <laughs> no. Picture me with a cheat sheet. And all of us going, is this better? You know, we, we, okay. but it's fun and it's it. funny. So that's, that's something that because holidays got busy, we got out of the habit of, but we're always laughing hysterically by the end. So that'll be sort of my big capital mm-hmm. friendship thing. I think the smaller stuff would be something like making sure I'm going on a walk every day. I've been so busy between this podcast and, you know, other things going on. I just have always, I'm always putting exercise to the back of burner. So I've made a promise to myself, even if it's a 10 minute walk, just do it just really quickly. Try to get it in between other things. I always feel better when I've been outside, even when it's dark and (laughs) leafless like it is now, hence the flowers (laughs) I bought. So those are the, those are a few things I'm going to try to do this week. So our hope is for you like take a moment and be aware. Are there too many withdrawals kind of going on? Could I pay more attention to my emotional savings account? And what are some of the things that I could do to more frequently deposit more positive emotions? All right, go forth. Happy savings, guys. Thank you to our guests for sharing their stories and their advice. This podcast is for college students and we want input by college students. So please reach out by text, email, or voice memo to collegesfindpodcast at gmail.com or 929-500-2231. Tell us your story, give us tips on topics you'd like to hear, or give us feedback about an episode. Follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Podcast for episode announcements and resources. 
And last but not least, if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast. Every hit of that plus button helps us keep going.